Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. All praises to the Most High Almighty. The God of the heavens, the earth, and the seas, the God of the prophets, the messengers, the scriptures, the God of the Messiah, or Mashiach, in various Hebrew dialects, the God of the one who's become known as Jesus today, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Peace be upon you all. I am Brother Priest. I would like to speak with you today pertaining to what does it mean to be saved? And are you truly saved? What does it really mean to be saved? The thing about this topic and why this needs to be brought forth is because there are many of those who are walking around professing to love Jesus, professing to be Christians. And these same people are chiefly responsible for a large number of the wickedness, the wicked activities that are going on in the communities and going on all across the earth. So what has happened is that Satan has creeped up into the doctrine that is being taught in the churches and is miseducating the people about what it really means to be saved. So we want you to ask yourself the question, are you truly saved? While we will answer the question, what does it mean to be saved. Now, I often use an analogy of drowning in order to clearly see what it means to be saved. If you're drowning and someone saves you from drowning, that means you are no longer drowning. So if you have professed Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, but yet you're still drowning in sin and transgression, then the Jesus that you've been believing, you are supposed to be saved by, by your confession has not saved you at all. You have been deceived. 
Now, if you look at the poverty, the degradation, the depression, the lies, the murders, the fornication, the adulteries going on in your community and all around you in the very same areas where there are churches, one church after the next, church here, church kitty corner from here, church behind that church. And all these said Christians going to these churches have confessed Jesus, or presumably so, are identifying themselves as Christians, but yet their communities are slums, and there's nothing but death doom and destruction all around them. Sickness, disease, and pestilence, particularly in the inner cities of the said minority. Brothers and sisters, the said black man and black woman, the Latino man and Latino woman, those of you in these inner city ghetto. You are the lost sheep that the one that you have been referring to as Jesus was sent to save. But yet you're still drowning in these ghettos, drowning in the sins and the transgressions of all the wickedness going on around you. And so that which you have been perceiving as Jesus has not saved you from that drowning after you made such a confession. And you have to ask yourself why. Well, the scripture says that in the end time, Satan would rise up and raise up an image of a beast and having the whole world worshiping this, this image and would fool the very elect, if it were all possible. And I'm saying to you that Satan has in fact done that, has risen up in the church doctrine and has gotten people to believe that they're praying to the real Jesus and they're praying to an idol false God. And although they identify themselves as Christians and although they attend church regularly, they're praying to statues of wood, to pictures of wood and stone, to images of God, images of Jesus that have nothing to do with the scriptures. As a matter of fact, the scriptures forbid you to have such images. And they are giving their lives to following something that has no power to change the surroundings, the communities at all, because it is a false God that they are worshiping. It is disguised as the real Christ. 
But if you know a tree by the fruit it bears, as the Christ says out of his mouth, if you know such a tree, a good tree will produce good fruit. A bad or a wicked tree will produce wicked fruit, wicked offspring, wicked behaviors such as this has done. You think about this. How is it possible for prostitutes and drug dealers to be standing in front of churches doing such wickedness and they're you ask them what is their religion, they'll tell you they're Christian. Oh, I don't go to church regularly, though, but you know I believe in Jesus. Every one of our people believe in the Most High God Almighty. By nature, we believe in God Almighty. But you, brothers and sisters, have been lost in the deceit of a satanic doctrine that has you believing that you are saved and you don't even really know what that means. So I'm going to go into some definitions of certain words and key terms that we hear all the time in church. And let's examine this and see if at all you are truly saved. First word, save. To rescue from harm, danger, or loss. To prevent from dying. Has your confession or your claim of you believing in Jesus actually rescued your communities from harm, danger, and loss. There's arson going on every day. There's murder going on every day. Drug abuse, gang violence, prostitution going on every day. Some of it going on in, around, and back, and in front of the churches. So where is the Jesus that they're preaching they're supposed to be saving the people from this. You've been deceived by a doctrine of deceit that has crept up into the churches by the design of Satan. Now listen. You hear these terms Saved, salvation, redemption. You hear these terms all the time in the church. With it not being explained to us, in a manner that not only empowers us, but actually protects us and cleans us up and puts us 
in a better state of mind, a mind of peace, a mind of love. You cannot tell me, you cannot convince me that you can claim to be loving Jesus but continue in the same wickedness that you've been doing the whole time. Something has not changed about you. Where is the conviction in your heart, in your mind? Where is that angelic voice that speaks to your mind, that mind, that voice of the Most High God Almighty speaking to your mind that's telling you now you know you're doing wrong? I'll tell you where it is. You've just slowly pushed it further back, and you've let that wicked voice start to speak more to you. Oh, don't pay that any attention. See, that same serpent-like voice that was whispering in Eve's ear goes to whispering in your ear with every decision you make every single day. Some of you think it's okay to get high. Some of you think getting high has led you to becoming Christ. Some of you think you're God. Some of you think you're the Christ. I'm not saying God's, lowercase g-o-d-s. Some of you think you're the creator. But where... Is the differentiation between the true followers of the Christ and those who are just running their mouth. As the Christ said in the scriptures, their lips are nigh me, but their hearts are far away, meaning that their lips are near me. Always talking about how they love Jesus. But their hearts are far away. In vain do they worship me, keeping for commandments the doctrines of men. So all of that that you claim to be following and worshiping Jesus is all for naught, is all in vain because it does not empower you to change your life, change your community, to let your little light shine, so that that little light starts to bring about the salvation of yourself, your loved ones, your relatives, all of those that are around you, your communities. Look at the world today with all this war, famine, disease, and sickness, and pestilence. Evidently, Satan is in charge. Well, if good people are unwilling or have been deceived into believing that their confession is all that they needed and are unwilling to do anything else other than run their mouth, then what do you think would become of such a world as that? you get exactly what you have today. Exodus 14 and 30. Thus the Lord saved Israel 
that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. So you remember the story of Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt, Moses going to Pharaoh saying, let my people go. And as they were leaving, the Red Sea split. And the Egyptians and the Pharaoh had a second uh, thought about what he did. Really in his mind, hey, I just let my slaves go. All of my power, my economy might crash. Well, I'll tell you this. If you were to really be saved today, this modern-day Egypt, this modern-day Babylon that you're calling America would crash overnight if you were to really be saved. All of this murdering of young Negroes and Latinos in the streets, young, old, male, female, police getting away with straight-out murders. Well, they're going to get away with it until you come full circle to the truth of what it really means to be saved and start doing something other than just running your mouth about it. You're going to continue to be slaughtered in the streets until you come to the truth. You have been following a doctrine of deceit that has told you that it is okay for you to continue in that same wicked behavior long as you love Jesus or claim Jesus. So when this Red Sea part and Moses and the Israelites are running through it trying to get away from the Egyptians, this is God Almighty that saved them from slavery from the Egyptians, removed them from it, and then when they were in hot pursuit of Moses and the Israelites, the Most High God Almighty saw it fit to close up the Red Sea for those who were also traitors and turncoats to Moses and the Israelites, they got swallowed up in the Red Sea and drowned. Those who wanted to turn around and go back to Egypt, go back to their slavery, they got swallowed up and drowned with the rest of the wicked Egyptians. So they were saved from slavery and they were saved, excuse me, from drowning in the Red Sea. But here you are every day going to work, save sla same slave mentality, same slave communities, same death, doom, and destruction, sickness, disease, pestilence, drug abuse, prostitution, fornication, and adultery all around you while you're in this slavery. 
and you have been fooled into believing that you were saved, when Noah went to tell the world, there is a flood coming. And you all better get prepared. There were nine people on this earth, knowing eight others, that were saved from the flood with the countless number of animals that were on board the ark as well. They were saved from drowning. So the real Jesus is supposed to be your lifeguard. The real Jesus who had come looking specifically for you, the lost sheep, is still looking for you today. And I know you go to church and I know you praise Jesus and sing all your songs all you want. But there's something missing that I hope to share with you today that you will understand why all of this filth and this life of hell is all around you. Divorce rates at an all-time high. High blood pressure at an all-time high. Gout, bloating of the stomach, obesity, as a result, mind you, of being gluttons and cannot control what you put in your mouth and you cannot control your urges to just eat things to make you feel good. Because eating is therapeutic for you when you are living this life of a depressed and oppressed condition. Some of you got children that you can't even communicate with. Some of you have relationships that you hate to be in. Some of you have suffered one, two, three, and four divorces. And those of you who didn't legally get married, you're serial monogamists, and you've been through one, two, three, or four relationships that have left you emotionally scarred and depressed and hateful towards the opposite sex. All the long, you claiming Jesus, you going to church, you think that you're reading scriptures and getting an understanding, but something is missing. You think that you're doing right. Well, let me tell you. The scripture says that Satan was loosed from his chains and went out for a little season to deceive the world and that Satan was going to produce an image that the whole world will be worshiping. Part of an image 
is part of what you see something as or see someone as and the characteristics of their personality and behavior traits that you recognize. So as we say, oh, he has a good image. He has a clean image. He has a nice image. Or you know of people who are known to be low down and dirty and no good. And we call that a name. We say, oh, he has a bad name. The scripture says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children's children. Well, such a man that does that has a good name. A broke-down rolling stone, as the temptations would say, a guy that's bouncing around home to home, can't keep a job, he's a rolling stone. He has children all over the place, going around living off women, producing babies that he can't even take care of. He'll blame it on everything. Oh, it's the white man's fault. Oh, no, it's not the white man's fault. See, you've been deceived by that man, yes. But you have an obligation to seek the truth. Now, In that, you have broken hearts, depression, and you eat and eat and eat and become obese. You eat junk food and you develop high blood pressure, cancer. You have heart attacks and strokes and you pray into the same Jesus to help your health and to heal your health but you have been deceived into not following the words of Jesus that will prevent all of that. And part of that is you have got to follow the same discipline that the Christ laid down. And that's what's missing in your life. Moses saved from drowning by the Most High God. Noah saved from drowning in a flood by the Most High God. And here comes another deliverer that you're claiming, that you love, and that you follow, and that you worship but yet you're still drowning in the same wickedness that those who perished in the flood were drowning in. See, it was their wickedness that got them caught up in the flood. It was the wickedness of the Egyptians that got them swallowed up in the Red Sea, the wickedness of the Israelites that wanted to turn around and go back to that slavery that got them swallowed up in the Red Sea. So what is the difference maker here? Exodus 14 and 13. 
And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians, whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more ever. So listen, many of us have been fooled into believing that salvation, redemption, grace, being saved, all of that started in the said New Testament. We've been fooled into believing that all of that started after the death or the departure of the Christ. You have been tricked and you have been lost. The Christ had come for you, specifically for you, for a specific reason. Specifically for you, the lost sheep. Who are the most lost people on earth today? Part of being lost is a loss of memory of how to get back to where you originated from. You can't see the map, the roadway to get back to where you belong. So the Negroes and Latinos in these ghettos all across North Central and South America are lost sheep. And you lost sheep are scattered throughout the four quarters of the earth not understanding what's going on on this earth, not understanding how to correct what's going on, so you've lost the knowledge, you've lost the vision, you've lost the map of how to get back in the grace and the good grace of the Most High God Almighty. And you've lost it because you have been deceived by a wicked doctrine that has you convinced that all of this has nothing to do with you and your behavior after you have confessed that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. I hope to explain this a little better. Just give me a moment. Luke chapter 1, verse 76 and 77. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people, by the remission of their sins. Now listen. There are certain things that must go along with your confession of Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There's certain knowledge 
that you must have of salvation that has not been taught to you. And this knowledge of salvation is what helps to produce the remissions of sins. Now, what does it mean when something goes into remission? Oh, hear me good. If you knew somebody with cancer and they had chemotherapy and you heard them say, okay, well, the cancer is in remission. That means the cancer is going away. The disease is going away. And soon it will be gone. Well, what is the remission of sins? What it means is after you make that confession, then you have something else to start working on. And that means you have to have a standard, a platform of how you are to live your life. And the Christ is supposed to be your example. So if you have confessed, then you need to confess again and learn something new about this. You must have you must be given the knowledge of salvation. You must be receptive of the knowledge of salvation so that your sins and the sins of all of those around you and in your community will go into remission. I hope that that's clear. And the simple problem is because you are lost. You have lost your way, and you are the lost sheep, and you have lost your way. And it doesn't help that there's a serpent out there, a dragon out there, who's helping to keep you in a fog and keep you lost and deceived. And this dragon had come along and given you the image of a beast, that you had gravitated towards thinking that you were finding your way home, but it is the image that is a beast that has come to deceive you into believing that you are following the Most High God Almighty and Jesus Christ, when in reality is Satan disguised as Jesus Christ. So the Most High God Almighty had to raise up prophets, raise up messengers, raise up a body of people to return this information to you that you might get the truth. And this truth will make you free of the drug abuse, the degradation, prostitution, fornication, and adultery the murders, the lies that are going on all around you and in your communities, and then your communities, communities will begin to be transformed because sin will be going into, into remission. The truth will begin to kill the virus of sin. The truth will begin to kill the transgressions and the sins. So I say to you today, this is a challenge for you today to recommit yourself to this truth, to recommit yourself to the Christ, to recommit yourself to the discipline 
the order, the example that the Christ laid down for you. Scripture says, if you, the Christ says, if you love me, keep my commandments. This doctrine of deceit says, oh, you don't have to follow the commandments of God anymore. That's over and done away with. See, grace was always present. So they have tried to trick you into believing that grace is new. The laws, the statutes and commandments are your parameter for how you are to conduct yourself. And if you have a righteous heart, if your heart has been circumcised by the Christ, then your behavior will make it so that by the grace of the Most High God Almighty, you don't have to live by laws that are already written in your heart. But the laws are not done away with so that you can just go out here and do whatever you want and there'd be a total anarchy like we have today. If you already have a righteous spirit, a righteous heart, a righteous mind, and you do what's right, you won't be breaking the commandments, the laws, or the statutes. But if you don't know that that's there, you have nothing to measure yourself or your behavior by. You have nothing to to, uh, model yourself after the discipline of the Christ. And those who follow the Christ are his true disciples because they follow the same discipline as did he. So listen, salvation, this is the definition, preservation or deliverance from destruction, difficulty, or evil. Now ask yourself, has your confession alone actually taken you out of harm's way? Has it taken you out of a living hell? You're living in a modern-day hell on earth in these ghettos. And your confession hasn't saved you from that. It hasn't preserved you from that. It hasn't delivered you from destruction, difficulty, and evil. So there's something else that you have to be doing after you make such a confession. Faith without works is dead. You have to be doing some works in service to the Most High God Almighty. Where are your tithes and your offerings? You have to have the knowledge of salvation. Is that preacher in that church teaching you this truth? Are they teaching you the knowledge of salvation that the sins will go into remission? Now, the words save and salvation have a similar origin. And I want to kind of expound upon this with the definitions of these words 
that you will hopefully see further the advantage of really committing yourself to the discipline of the Christ to really become a true follower and a true disciple of the Christ. Here's another deception, by the way, while this is on my mind. The Christian world has told you that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that that makes you a Christian. But oh, wait. The point of it is not for you to join on to a religion. The point of you is not to start calling yourself a Christian, and the word Christian meaning Christ-like. They have it in your mind that you can't be Christ-like unless you call yourself a Christian and you don't believe that you could ever meet those standards. The point of it is not that. The point of it is that you become a disciple of the Christ. And those are his true followers. They were 2,000 years ago, and they are today. It is that you become a disciple of the Christ, one who follows the discipline, the example of the life of Jesus. So when he's on the scene some 2,000 years ago, he's coming for the lost sheep who are the same people today as they were back then. Those who did not know the truth, those who did not have the knowledge of salvation, those who did not comprehend who they were and how they are relative to the Most High God Almighty and truth in general. So he came then, and the spirit of the Christ is rising again today has been resurrected again today in the consciousness of those who really have the knowledge of salvation. Salvation, by definition, being preservation or deliverance from destruction, difficulty, or evil, in order to have the knowledge of salvation, that it will produce the remission of sins, I like to sum it up in this word, salvage. See, the Christ came then and has returned today in spirit and in the consciousness by circumcision of the heart to those who see this truth and are given this knowledge of salvation to salvage those from amongst the wicked. The word salvage means to serve as compensation for, to make up for, to save discarded or damaged material for further 
youth. Who has been more discarded than the Negroes and Latinos of the Western Hemisphere? Who has been more discarded than the Aboriginal peoples in the four quarters of the earth? Those who are in Canada and in the United Kingdom and South America. Who has been more damaged than you? Who has been more damaged and discarded and lost to the identity of who they are and how they are relative to the Most High God Almighty and how they are relatives of the Christ? Who has been more damaged than you? Look at your conditions of poverty. You are poverty-stricken. And those amongst you that have so-called money, that have so-called riches, your athletes, your, your entertainers, at best, they're court gestures when they can't come down back into their communities and help to change the condition of the communities with the blessings that they have, but it's in their contracts that they can't do certain things. Now, who would do such a contract as that except Satan himself? So the one that you become known, that's become known to you as Jesus of some 2,000 years ago, came to salvage those who would receive the message and the knowledge of salvation then and is here today in spirit and in consciousness by the circumcision of your heart to do the same thing today. See, you can kill the flesh, but the spirit lives on. And as long as that spirit of the Christ has been resurrected today in the hearts of those who accept the knowledge of salvation and their hearts are circumcised, the Christ lives. Redeem. You hear it said that Jesus is the Redeemer to recover ownership of by paying a specific sum. Hold that. So Christ, the Christ, was risen, resurrected, and went to the lost sheep then and today, today in spirit and in consciousness by the circumcision of the heart, to redeem those lost sheep and to recover ownership of those lost sheep by paying off a specified sum for their transgressions, for their sins. And therefore, he was then the sacrificial lamb. Therefore, he is today the sacrificial lamb for the lost sheep so that they may atone and they have been as they have been atoned for. And it reads on. This is the definition. To pay off 
to set free as from slavery or kidnapping by providing money or other compensation to restore the honor, worth, or reputation of, to atone for an error or mistake, to serve as compensation for, make up for. Now, you have a bad name, brothers and sisters. Those of you have been labeled as black Negroes, spicks, wetbacks, you are the lost sheep that need a name restored unto you so that you will have the restoration of honor, the restoration of worth, and that you will once again have a good reputation. You need to be redeemed from bond, servitude, slavery. The modern-day slavery and the ancient slavery are bond servitude statuses in in law and in government, meaning that the people that run government know that you're the lost sheep. They also know that you're lost and they're putting uh, smoke and mirrors around you so that you can't find your way back necessarily. And they throw up this wicked doctrine of deceit so that you can't find your way back to your redemption. You have an inheritance in the Christ that if you submit and become a disciple of the Christ, like you truly should have in the first place, meaning that that behavior that you have has got to stop. A sin is a transgression of the law. So the remission of sins is the remission of transgression of the law. And this means that if you're going to be redeemed, you're going to be saved. You're going to have the knowledge of salvation and be savaged, salvaged, excuse me, from those around you that are continuing in sin and transgression. They're lost because they don't believe that they even have a standard of what they should be living by. But brothers and sisters, when you know who you are, when you know that you are lost and you're lost sheep wandering all around in the wilderness, rather than the wilderness, rather, you're wander, wandering around in a jungle, you're wandering around in a living hell that you call in the ghettos of North, Central, and South America. Well, the true Jesus, the true Christ, today and yesterday, for that to be the statement that you make in your confession that the, Jesus is your Lord and Savior, ask yourself, is your life or those around you salvaged? Is your life or those around you redeemed? Is there a good name restored to you? Is there honor restored to you? Is there a good reputation and value and worth restored to you 
alone with your with your confession. No, it's not. You have to have some works. And when you put in the discipline and walk according to such discipline, act according to the discipline of the Christ, you become a disciple of the Christ. And some of you that it has been pressed upon your heart and on your mind that you want to start preaching this word, you will become an apostle from amongst the disciples of the Christ. But there is no redemption. There is no salvation for those who lack the knowledge of salvation. The salvation comes with you committing yourself to walk the life in the discipline that the Christ lived. And then that truth will start cutting away at that wicked behavior, cutting away at those viruses and sicknesses and diseases because you're going to follow the dietary program that the Christ followed. It's not just eating and praying over the food. There's specific things that the Christ would and would not eat. I know that you had that doctrine of deceit that tells you All things are good if you pray over it. They were talking about all things that are within the clean foods that the Most High God Almighty has outlined for your divine health. And the reason why you have all that sickness and disease, because you are not following what God told you to eat and what God told you to not eat. Now, you look at this death, doom, and destruction, cancer, all these diseases these toxins that are in your soul, and you say that that preacher and that church keeps telling you, oh, you can eat anything, right? Well, the serpent said the same thing to Adam. Well, excuse me, said the same thing to Eve, and then Eve went back and said it to Adam. And they thought that they could eat anything, and they did, and it brought hell on earth. It produced a child that killed his brother, and look at what you're doing when you disobey when the Most High God Almighty says, don't eat of this, don't eat of this, don't eat of this. Or this over here, you can eat. See, you've been deceived, brothers and sisters. There are clean foods that are authorized by the Most High God Almighty that are in the said Old Testament, and this doctrine of deceit has taught you to not even consider reading the old, the said Old Testament. This is one book. If the Most High God Almighty wanted it to be split in half, it would have just been a New Testament. But there are things pertaining to the parameter of your life that you must use in law, statutes, and commandments that you need to know, that you need to apply, that you need to follow and become a disciple of the Christ. Now, once you stop just calling yourself a Christian and you start calling yourself a disciple of the Christ, then you're going to be expected to live according to that discipline. Then you can walk in pride and in honor and have a good reputation because when you 
will not do the things that the Christ would not do or the prophets will not do, then that's going to give you a good name again. And so the people that start to refer to you and you to yourself as, hey, those over there, those are the disciples of the Christ. They're going to see you for the light that shines from within you. You're going to show a real light. You're going to be a real representative of the true Jesus. The sins will start to go into remission. The wickedness will start to go into remission. The sickness and disease and prostitution and gang violence and drug abuse will start to go into remission. It'll start leaving your surroundings and leaving your community, and the people doing that are going to drop dead or they're going to get away from your community. Or they might get healed from all of that wickedness, all of that death, doom, destruction, disease, despair, depression. They'll get delivered from all of that wicked behavior if they become disciples of the Christ, they will have a new standard, a new heart. So it's not just enough to be just reading scriptures repetitively. It's not just enough to be claiming that you love Jesus. The whole point of what he was preaching then and what his message is then is the same as it is today. You have to come into a body of people and the body of people that are the disciples of the Christ are the resurrected body of the Christ who follow the commandments of the Christ, who follow the laws and statutes of the Most High God Almighty and live their life and everything they do is surrounded by just that, following the laws of God. You want to change your health condition? Then start following the laws of God and what you can eat and what you can't eat. You want divine health? Start following the laws of God as far as the dietary program and you will have divine health. You will be healed from those sicknesses and diseases. As a matter of fact, when the one that you know of as Jesus went to heal one who had a devil in them, and the disciples asked, well, how come when we tried it, it didn't work? We couldn't get rid of that devil. He said, some of these things, I'm summing it up, paraphrasing, some of these things can only come out fasting and prayer. Why? Why did he say that? Because some of this filth that you're eating, jelly candies, and you're feeding your children fruit-flavored candies, why don't you just feed them the fruit? So some of this you have to cleanse your body of through fasting. Through prayer and meditation, you have to cleanse your spirit, your mind, body, and soul. Your body has to flush these toxins and this filth that's inside of you out. 
So some of these physical ailments that you suffer, your mental illness, epilepsies, your so-called attention deficit disorder, your, uh, what do you call that, dementia, loss of memory, all of that has to do with the things that you are eating. And because you've been tricked into not following the discipline that the Christ was the example of and not committing yourself fully to that example and that same discipline, you've been suffering sickness, disease, death, gang violence, prostitution, fornication, adultery, and all the wickedness that is is known under the sun. Every wicked act that you know of has been going on in these ghettos. Thefts and murders. Adultery is one of the worst things you can do. It breaks hearts. It multiplies distrust. It kills the image of love and the respect that children have for their parents. All of that can be healed by you coming back to the discipline of the Christ. Become an actual disciple of the Christ, and we can help you do that, brothers and sisters. It is my hope that you get something out of what we're saying. It is my hope that you hear this truth and that you come out of that lost state. You come out of being a lost sheep and return to being a disciple of the Christ. And if you need help in doing such, you can reach out to us. You can give us a call at our Temple Headquarters Outreach phone number 313-451-3585. Recommit your life to become a disciple of the Christ today and now. And give us a call and come join us in doing this work of rebuilding the body of Christ, of a body of people, who are followers of the the discipline of the commandments, laws, and statutes of the Most High, that we might rise up into a mighty nation of servants, of devotees to the Most High God Almighty and the Christ. Thank you for listening.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.